Hello and welcome to another episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. Uh, my name is Dave Betts and together with my wife Sharia, we are exploring all the things that make our faith what it is. So that means we're trying to strip away all of those unnecessarily churchy or intellectual words. We're trying to just have a down-to-earth conversation about the incredible God that we serve. So we're continuing our series looking at myths in the church and today's episode is a good one. We're going to jump into a conversation with Dave Rogers, who's an elder at Ascot Life Church in the UK, to tackle the myth that the size of a church equals the success of a church. It's a really fascinating conversation that I hope you'll find as helpful as I did. So let's jump in. Dave Rogers, welcome back to the Simple Faith podcast. I have a question for you. Where is the craziest place you've cycled on Zwift in the last three months? (laughs) The craziest place I've cycled on Zwift? Yeah. Um, I have cycled up a virtual Mont Ventoux, which is a real mountain in France, but it's been replicated in an online cycling platform so that you can practice and um, live the pain in the comfort of your own home. It sounds so cool when you describe it like that, (laughs) (laughs) virtual cycling. But Dave is a is a fairly avid cycler. He's got a pretty uh, nifty little tech setup going on. So anyway, Dave, it's great to see you. It's always so good to connect with you. Um, Dave is someone I've worked with before and just had a great time working with. And I get to catch up with him fairly regularly as I'm in here uh, here in Canada and you're in Ascot. Uh, Dave, we are tackling some church myths at the moment. Um, last week we talked about uh, contradictions in the Bible. Um, and how there's this myth that, oh, the Bible is full of contradictions. And we, we hopefully went some way to answering that today. And next week, you're with us for two episodes, actually, which is really cool. Um, this week, we are talking about the myth that the size of your church is the success of your church. Um, so there's often this common view, and I've heard it. In fact, I'm guilty of it, that mm-hmm. says, oh, if, there are, if your church is less than 400, then you must be failing or if you're not a mega church, then you're doing something wrong. So uh, let's talk about that. I guess my first question for you, Dave, that we can maybe discuss is where is this myth come from? Do you think? Why, why do we think that the size of your church is the measure of its success? That's a great question, Dave. And um, I think firstly, we need to say where it's not come from. Um, I, I would suggest it's not come from the Bible um, directly. Uh, that this is the success criteria for a local church, uh, I think, and that's where we don't see it. Obviously, we do see different sizes of churches in the Bible. We can talk about that as we go through. Uh, but I think uh, my perception is that there's a very cultural lead on this thing, um, on size equals success and bigger is better uh, because of the culture that we live in. And we live in a very connected technological culture where um the reality is you see uh on youtube or different uh, contexts the big churches have got big resources so they're out there and they look great and they're doing all the conferences and so therefore there's an aspiration to be like them because oh we'd all love to do that and then that becomes normalized in the um in the church cult- context uh, so um, because you're tuned into all these big churches, you don't need to name them, but you, we know them on YouTube. Uh, they're big. They've got, they do worship albums and kick out loads of stuff, which you can only do really if you've got a good size of 
uh, of congregation, resources, servers, servant-hearted people serving in different areas. And so that's become normalised in what we see and then what we consume as either um, congregation members, members of churches, uh, we see that as the normalised goal. Or if you're a church leader, you see that as the aspirational goal because, well, wouldn't it be nice if we could be on doing all this stuff and telling people how great we can do church. So I think that's part of where the, the, the issue has arisen is a cultural shift um, and, and sort of business models, which is talking about bigger is better, uh, more profits to the uh, shareholders, those kind of philosophies that are in the world around us that have infiltrated, I guess, uh, the church's mindset about what is aspirational, what do we want to be like, and what do we want to replicate? Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. And um, I know you mentioned not to mention some churches, but it's hard not to with this specific case because uh, some some big churches have resources that enable them to do profoundly incredible things. So yeah. take Life Church for example, who created the Bible app, uh, which has just been a game changer for Christians around the world. Like that's a really good thing. So it's easy to look at that and go, well. They were able to do that because they were a big church. Therefore, in order to do good, to do good things for the kingdom of God, you must be a, a big church, right? And as you mentioned with worship music and things like that, the resources that you have enable you to do some uh, incredible things that can impact the world. You know, there is, there's music out there from probably yeah. three or four churches in particular who just so shape what worship culture looks like in our world. And so it's easy to look at that and say it's a good thing. And I know that Dave, uh, it's something that you've struggled with, it's something you've wrestled with in the past. And it's certainly something that I've wrestled with. I, I've come from a context uh, of a big, big church, a church of well over a thousand people. And I was on staff there as a, a music director. And so I loved having the resources to do some really cool things. And even then I would look at the bigger churches and feel frustrated that they had the resources to do all the things that I wanted to do. And then I moved from a church of a thousand to a church of about a hundred while I was a student. And then I served another church as a student that was about 500. And then my first job out of ministry was about 300. And then I joined you in Ascot, which was about 200. And now I'm at a church of about 20. So I've seen a gamut of different <laughs> sizes and it's been a real wrestle for me. And Dave, I remember having conversations with you in the office where when you first joined uh, your, your staff team, that was something that was a challenge. You wanted to think big right that was I remember that I was talking about that yeah and I think again I as I look back on that a few years on <laughs> a few more uh, gray hairs or less hair um <laughs> you are you wonder why what it was that was in the younger me getting frustrated with those kind of things um maybe elements of jealousy <laughs> let's call it as it is feeling well that's not fair how comes they get to do that and we can't do that um as a as a young leader and as a young pastor you're always aspirational and you want to see um the kingdom of god you want to see god changing lives and you want to see it happening in the hundreds and thousands because you're passionate about the gospel so it you automatically go to the place where actually if we have more resources if we're bigger we can do more um and so that that would cause a frustration um but then there are things in me that i needed to to work out as a a young man getting older getting more experienced in 
in the church, realizing what had become idols to me. Um, mm. I think that's the thing we need to always constantly check our heart. Um, so, uh, and not a great place to start in this whole thing is looking at other churches thinking, I'd love that. I'm a bit jealous and big becomes an idol. Yeah. That's a really poor place for a church leader to lead a church from, <laughs> uh, because then your motivation, uh, is, is mixed. It's, uh, maybe, uh, misfocused, uh, on what God's called you to. And I think this idea that big is better leads you down a certain road. Now, I think it's really very important to emphasize that big doesn't equal bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we have to be very careful. It's quite a nuanced conversation, really. Uh, but big isn't bad and small, but also small isn't bad. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk and, about that a bit, a bit more in just a second, because I think that's a, sure. a whole important conversation to get down. Um, I, I think one of the things that's, that's worth mentioning is that uh, there are some good things to striving for church growth, right? You know, we want to make disciples of all nations. So if you're seeing hundreds of people giving their life to Jesus, well, naturally, you're going to think, oh, they've got it and we haven't. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's, it's understandable that people would think that way. And also, yeah. when you look at the quality it's very easy to look at the quality of something and compare it to the quality of what you're doing and think, oh, well, they're doing something that's a much higher quality, therefore they're, they're better. So if we look at those, I don't know, if wanting, using a corporate term, those key performance indicators, if you look at the number of people added to your church and the quality yeah. of what you're doing, it's very easy to think, oh yeah, we've made it. And you mentioned as a church leader, but even as uh, someone who is a congregation member, you know, I, I, you might be listening anywhere in the world you might have a small church in uh, the middle of nowhere in uh in the prairies somewhere or you might be part of a massive mega church somewhere it's very easy to look at your church and to look at churches that are bigger and then feel resentment that your church isn't bigger and I, i've been a, a, like i said i've been in a big church where we had that sense of resentment that we weren't bigger and better and i've been in tiny churches i'm in a small church right now where it's very hard to not look at the bigger churches and say, I wish we were this way when actually God has placed us where we are. Uh, but yeah, so with that in mind, Dave, you you mentioned that, uh, yeah, big churches uh, aren't necessarily bad churches. And we want to be careful saying that. That's that's a really important distinction in the same way that small churches aren't necessarily bad churches. I've swung from both ends of the pendulum, you know? And yeah. so I remember being like, and we've talked about this lots of times where I was like, if you're less than 400, in fact, when Dave and I first met, I, I was a bit prideful. I mean, I was the kind of young and prideful that Dave was describing himself as being when I first met him. And uh, I, I mean, now I'm just old and prideful, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember looking at, um, at Dave and what his church was doing and it didn't look like what we were doing. So I thought it must have been wrong. And, and yet 10 years later, I ended up joining the staff team at that church. And it's, it's probably the church that has impacted me most in my, my lifetime. Um, so it's funny you have this this mindset, and yet now I have to be very careful. There's a big church in in Red Deer in the city that we're from. I have to be very careful not to look at that with envy or bitterness or resentment, just because we're a small church. Um, and, and I think I've reconciled that. There's a book that we'll probably talk about in a little bit that actually you recommended to me, Dave, called uh, "The Grasshopper Myth" by Carl Vaters, which really I think opened my eyes, uh, broadened my understanding of of this and. So let's let's talk about that. What what is great about big churches, 
and what is maybe a challenge for big churches. And then let's talk about what's great about, about small churches and maybe a challenge for small churches. Yeah. I th- um, just before we do that, if I just want to chuck uh, one thing in about some of the mindset and, and because I think it's helpful in that conversation about um, size is that we, we use language along the lines of healthy things grow. And so if your church isn't growing, it's not healthy. Uh, and that kind of thing. So uh, we have to be careful that growth doesn't just mean getting bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, because we can grow. Was these languages you can grow a, a mile wide, but an inch deep. Yeah. And so there's just it just blows away. Um, and so again, understanding growth as as something that we as churches do, and um, we look at nature. Plants grow, but also plants go through the autumn or the fall <laughs> and die away and come back in the spring. And so uh, to have this sort of sense that if you're not growing and you're not getting bigger, you must therefore be unhealthy, I think plays into this whole conversation around big is better and small is not so good. Because obviously, if you're not big, you've not grown and therefore you're not healthy and there must be something wrong uh, with with the church. So regarding big not equaling bad and small, not equaling bad. There's amazing things that big churches can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've many of us who are listening to this, you may have been to a conference run by Life Church. Um, well, the thing I love about Life Church is they give it all away for free. <laughs> They've God's blessed them with so much, and Craig Rochelle is just they're so generous and they give it away. And they're not looking to build an empire; they're looking to serve the church but we've all been to those kind of conferences those events where we've just been built up and encouraged and you 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 don't get that in a smaller context um in the same way ha- hearing some of those those speakers that you may not hear apart from watching youtube and things and maybe things have shifted the reality is we've been in a year of lockdown where there've been no conferences um and youtube and online has been a real uh, way of connecting in so this may be less of an issue but there's the resources as dave mentioned earlier the bible app uh, uh worship albums that in, inspire and empower our worship teams in work in leading worship uh resources and books uh you, you notice a lot of the uh, church pastors in bigger churches write books because they've got time because they've got multitudes of teams running the day-to-day stuff so they can give themselves to just writing and resourcing uh, the local church. So I think smaller churches and medium-sized churches would be poorer without the big churches. Yeah. But again, the important thing is for those churches not to say, well, we're only successful if we're like them. And I think that's mm-hmm. the that's the myth, Dave. I think the myth is we all have to be big. Um, but the stuff that uh, we see in, in Grasshopper Myth and other books like that show that the church needs to be the church it needs to be in its context serving the 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 people around it Mm -hmm. uh in the right way uh so um i say big isn't better than small and it's not bad and it's not the best yeah but every aspect of church together that's where we have a real success um in in the church and, and working that so i think yeah yeah, I think I would I would put it uh, as 
bluntly as big churches have better economies of scale. They're able to do more effective things because they have a bigger pool of money. So rather than a lot of small churches doing individual ministries, that's uh, often more costly because you need people to run those things or whatever. There's uh, lots of opportunities for people to meet new Christian friends and have good people around them. There's tons of areas to get involved. It's, it's really great for kids ministry. Often uh, bigger yep. churches, uh, you can hide in the crowd if you want to, uh, which, but then some of the bad things are you can hide in the crowd if you want to, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard for elders to pastor the, the church properly. Um, it's hard to, uh, do hospital visits and things like that as as the the elders as the people who've been given spiritual authority to lead your congregation it's hard to uh, look after your your flock as well as you would like to it's harder to foster that sense of tight-knit community it's not it's not impossible but it's much harder it's easy to be someone who just consumes rather than being uh, a part yeah. of something uh, sometimes it's you don't notice if if people leave. I mean, I want to talk talk about that. There's a a lady in Ascot Life Church, um, where Dave is leading, uh, a lady called Nyarai, and she is a lovely lady. She's really cool. She used to be in a, a church that I worked at before she was at Ascot Life Church, funnily enough, and she was a, a camera lady, and so she and I served on the same team together, and I never knew her name. Uh, I never got to know. Any, I never knew anything about her actually. Um, in fact. Some of my friends, when I mentioned her at being Ascot, didn't remember her either. And that broke my heart because when I went to Ascot, uh, this is not to say that Ascot's great and perfect and all that stuff. But when I went to Ascot, I met her and she said, oh, I remember you from when you were at Kerith. And I, I recognized her. So I said the name of the church, which is, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with, with Kerith. It was just the nature of it being a big church. And I, I remember saying to her, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I, I, I recognize you, but I just, I don't remember your name. And we ended up having a, a really great conversation and I, I i loved seeing her as part of a smaller church because there was time and there was space to build those relationships so, so that's one of the i mean that's one of the challenges of being in a big church when it's, it, you don't notice if maybe people leave uh, maybe big churches can be a bit less stringent towards their like handling of finances you know you often see uh churches buy like crazy money on things and one of the things i appreciate about appreciate about small churches is that you have to handle your finances so careful carefully because you just don't have as much and so you end up making more careful choices and that was something again that i appreciate about uh ascot which would be a medium-sized church i would say by most uh most kind of reckonings right uh, it's it's about 200 and but the money is handled so carefully and cautiously and and honorably and i really love that now, small churches struggle too, because technically they're not as strong. So in this kind of YouTube COVID age, mm -hmm. it's been a nightmare trying to figure out live streams as uh, Dave and I have been talking about over the last couple of weeks, trying to figure out some of this stuff. There are fewer resources. There are fewer volunteers. Sometimes it's really hard to get people to join. I mean, in, in my context, as a church of uh, you know 20 to 40, it's, it's hard to persuade people to join the church because it's small. And people don't necessarily want to be a part of small where they can't hide. And so there are challenges there. There's, there's few people to, to get involved, but you have deep relationships and you have the elders can walk through, walk through life with that congregation in such a, a yeah. deep way. Um, and it's, uh, it's easy to speak into the needs of the congregation as well, because you have a, a much better spiritual gauge of where your congregation is, is at. Sorry, Dave, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right, Dave. And I, 
If you look at the statistics, now everyone can pluck a statistic to make a point. Um, so someone will have a counter statistic, but they, but someone, uh, I can't remember where I read it, but reckons that probably 90% of all churches around the world would be less than 200 people ish. Mm. Give what, do you know what I mean? That's the sort of size. Uh, that's a lot of smaller churches. And uh, again, Carl Vater's in his in his book Grasshopper Myth. Uh, he says he he says people choose to go to a small church for various reasons. Yeah, some of them would include uh, easier making of friendships and relationships with people. So off, so a, a small church will rise and fall not on its vision, but its relationships because there's less people. <laughs> And so the relationships are, are formed in a different way. Obviously, bigger churches can keep driving forward because of the vision and the relationships may not need to be quite so strong, but there will be very strong relationships in that church. But the, the focus will be different. And and many people choose a small church on purpose. So, um, I think in his book, he talks about the people that drive past the big mega church to go to the small church the next block. Why? Because they want to be pastored by the pastor. Mm. They want to be cared for by the elders, not the pastoral team or the. Uh, and there's an understanding in that of the way that God has ordained leadership in a church, actually. So people want to be pastored by the pastor, the, 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 the person who has been set apart by God to care for a, the, the church. For the, so you, you might. You might be in a church, if you're listening to this, that's quite small, but you, you hang out in the house of, of the church leader because you know that God's raised them up to lead that church and you can gain something for spending time with them. Um, whereas in a mega church or a big church, you may have to go through multiple layers of, uh, of leadership to even have time spent with the church pastor. Mm. And actually the, the the church pastor pastors a team and that's his church <laughs> or her church and then they lead others who are in different areas does that make sense yeah and so absolutely. there's there's an element of we live in a world where we're bombarded with big but at the end of the day when it comes to a church context we want to be led by god ordained released leaders who can speak into our lives Mm. And not just get that from the preaching on a Sunday. We we want to spend time in their lives, uh, seeing them work it out. Now, that's scary for a church leader. But you, as a maybe you're a young person, if you want to grow in your faith, you want to spend time with men and women who are who are involved in leading <laughs> and at the front edge. And you don't want to just hear what they have to say about the Bible. You want to see what their life's, life says about the Bible and about how it is to be a, a follower of Jesus. And you can gain snippets of that through preaching from the big platform, but you gain so much more by having dinner with someone. Um, and so I think there, there's, there's an, that's an advantage of the smaller context um, that, would, that enables personal growth um, as for us as followers of Jesus. Mm. Dave, so good. Um, I want to share a few, few quotes because 
if anyone listens to this podcast, they would know I'm a bit of a quote fiend. Um, <laughs> in planting missional churches, um, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Im talk about the fact that God used the mega church to, uh, to reach Korea and the house church to reach China. So, uh, and then they say this, the lesson here is to hold models loosely and the gospel firmly. I love that. To hold the yeah. good news of Jesus firmly. Uh, also, uh, I guess I want to preface these other two quotes with, with a question, which we'll talk about. We've kind of touched on it, but I want to really dig into this. What we're saying is that big churches can be great, but they can be bad. Small churches can be great, but can be bad. So we're saying that size yeah. isn't the measure of success. So the question is, what is the measure of success? Now, I, I want to read this quote. Uh, it's from Dr. Herschel York. He says this, it's about obedience and effectiveness, not numerical growth. Uh, Calvatus says, we need to stop using numerical growth as the primary indicator of success in ministry and start looking at health as the primary indicator of success in ministry. So you said, Dave, you said it's not about uh, growth. And we, we, we want to be specific that it's numerical growth, right? We're talking about, because actually, all churches should be growing, but what, is, what we need to change is our definition of what growth means or our parameters for what growth means. Yeah. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think growth is good. And um, again, it's the measure, isn't it? What, how do we, what do we measure as success? Is it, um, is it bums on seats and a good bank balance? Is that the, is that the success, success criteria for um a growing healthy church um or is it oh number of baptisms that we might have had uh people becoming followers of jesus is it is it in the in the times where maybe there's no obvious um salvation people coming to know jesus but the church is growing deeper in their knowledge of who jesus is and their maturity so uh, again I, I can speak from a leadership context from myself, but if you're listening and you're not in leadership, but one of the roles of a, a church leader is to help is to present each believer mature in Christ. And mm. so if you're pastoring people and, um, and maybe if, if you're being pastored, the, the, the purpose is, is growth. It's your spiritual growth. It's your discipleship. And I think that is the key is, is um, discipleship, healthy discipleship happening whether you're in a church of 50, 20, or 5,000, are people being discipled to becoming more like Jesus? At the end of the day, Jesus didn't say, you will build my church and you'll make it massive and you'll have lots of money and lots of influence. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will prevail against it. So then what do we think? Oh, is that not my job to build the church for Jesus? No, that's Jesus' church, a job. What Jesus says to us is go and make disciples. Mm. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So I think if we were looking at success criteria, discipleship probably should be high up on the list <laughs> yeah. of, of what that looks like. So we might not be, in, might not be seeing millions of pounds in the bank ever. We might not be seeing tens or hundreds of people coming to know Jesus, but the congregation, the gathered group of believers that we're part of 
is spurring one another on to love and good deeds, is encouraging one another to be more like Jesus, is encouraging each other in their faith that says, actually, when I have the opportunity, I'm going to share how Jesus has changed my life or has impacted my life. And celebrating those successes, how how amazing would it be if every time someone said, I was at work this week and I offered to pray for uh, my colleague and they flat right, flat down, rejected me and laughed at me. How cool would it be to say to celebrate that as a step of faith, as a step of discipleship? Now, their colleague may not have come to know Jesus through an amazing moment of conversion, but that person showed that they're a disciple of Jesus stepping out into things. If we celebrated those small steps uh, more and more, that would be a criteria for success, I think. And that would show a healthy church rather than an unhealthy church. So I think that would be one one thing. But just to remember that we're called as followers of Jesus to make disciples, to take this good news of Jesus to the world around us. And Jesus said he will build his church. So I would suggest small, medium or big, if we as members of churches, leaders of churches, looking at churches and seeing what if we want to be part of a church, if they're passionate and uh, consistently looking to make disciples, to raise us and up to become more like Jesus, to to father and mother us and and spur us on towards love and good deeds. That's to me seems like a good church uh, yeah. to join. Well, and even you know if you were like put it to put it in practical terms as well. Let's say you you are pastoring a church of fifteen people, and by the end of thirty years of ministry. You still have a church of 15 people, but they are 15 people who are closer to Jesus, who are passionate about serving their communities, who are telling people about Jesus. Maybe people are getting saved and going to other churches. Maybe the numbers aren't growing because some people are moving on and some people are coming. Maybe you're just not seeing more numbers. But if you've been faithful and you've helped uh, people, and I'm not talking just about leaders, I'm talking about you know, let's say you're a 14 year old at your church right now and your church is small and you wish you could be part of a huge church. Uh, may, how are you being faithful? How are you using the opportunity? Because God has placed you where you are for a reason. Wh- whatever age you are, the church you're in right now, you're there because God has placed you there. How can you help the people in your community to grow? And how can you uh, position yourself in such a way that you're growing in your faith as well? You might yes. need to ask for help for that. And that's a good thing. That's an, that's an okay thing. Like, don't worry about that. It's good to ask for help. Um, but yeah, I, success is not based on numbers. It's not based on quality, which by the way is subjective anyway. It's, it's based on, are we moving closer towards Jesus? Are, are we able to say in that classic verse, I love to repeat again and again, are we saying like John the Baptist, he must increase, Jesus must increase in my life and I must decrease. If we're saying those things, that's the indicator of a, a good church. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not, not the stats. I think the other, the other, that's right. And I think on the other side of that, um, it says in the scriptures about if we're faithful with little, God may give us more. And I think you're so right, Dave, that, that whole thing about faithfulness is such a key, a key moment. And if I get to the end of my ministry, at the end of my um, life, and I can say, I've been faithful with what you put in front of me, Lord. I've, I've, I've pastored wherever you've called me to pastor. It might be a, it could be an ascot for the rest of my life. There could be, uh, it could be church plants where it's smaller. There could be joining a bigger 
church. I, I don't know, but whatever that looks like, I want to be able to say I've been faithful with what you've given me to do. And um, your measurement of success isn't always my measurement of success, Lord. And I just want to be one who, who, who you say, well done, good and faithful servant uh, mm. at the end of it. And if that is staying where I am, I'll do that. And yeah. I think that faithfulness is such, is such a, a really important thing, Dave. Yeah. Dave, thank you so much for your time. I think you know, if we're going to summarize what we've said, it's the same as so many of these conversations. It's not black and white. It's not as black and white as saying you have to be A or you have to be B. There's this whole spectrum. And the important thing is, is not, not how your church looks. It's, I think the thing that needs to change is how we measure it. It's, we've got to stop measuring based on numbers, stop, basic, stop yep. measuring based on quality, uh, you know, technical quality, I should say. And we want, to, we want to measure based on faithfulness and obedience. And that means as a small church, you can do something profound and powerful and world shattering because you're, you're telling people about Jesus. And as a big church, you can do something profound and world shattering because you're creating a Bible app or a worship album, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it, what it looks like as long as you're being obedient yep. and, and faithful. So, yeah, Dave, thanks for your time. Um, I'll see. Do you, do you, is there anything else you want to add to that? Well, just yeah, sorry if that's okay. Just one yeah, more yeah, thing, and off the back of faith, off the back of faithfulness, I do think vision is important as well. Mm. You can have plenty of big churches with no vision, and loads of small churches uh, with with big vision. Um, so, how, what our vision is? So, small doesn't equal, again doesn't equal no vision. That you can be a small church with a big vision for your community, for those around you. Um, again, if you're looking for a church to get stuck into. Uh, again, small doesn't equal there's no vision or passion or desire to serve. And the big church might not have a clear vision. They just stumbled in on it. So find find a place where there's faith and there's vision for the gospel, vision to see things happen. Because you can have, well, how amazing is a small church with an amazing vision to reach the people around them, to grow people in, to be uh, followers of Jesus. Just as how amazing it is for a big church to have a vision to resource loads of small churches around the world and reach their communities as they can. So I think faithfulness, look for faithfulness and look for vision in whichever size church you're, you're in and God will grow you and you will be able to impact uh, people around you. If you're looking for somewhere, look for faithfulness and vision in the leaders, in the culture of the church, whether it's small, medium or large, and that will be a good place to, to serve and get stuck in and give your life to, because yeah. that's what it's about, giving our life to Jesus' mission uh, on this earth. So, yeah, faithfulness and vision, they happen in small, medium, and large churches, and that's what you want to go after. Yeah. Amen. Great. Good Good place to end there. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. If you, I hope you've enjoyed that. If you're listening at home or wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, next week, Dave will be with us again as we tackle the myth that the church is only after your money. Maybe you've, you've come across that before or even felt that before. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, have a fantastic week. Uh, feel free to check out the show notes on simplefaithpodcast.com for transcriptions and things like that. Um, and you can also watch this on YouTube if you're not doing that already. So have a great week. We will speak to you very soon. Bye.